Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Minute with Mark. This is Mark, and this episode, hang on, they let me know my seatbelt is important. Okay, this episode, I am giving a shout-out and thanking. This episode goes out to Jamie Waters, who is in the UK. He's uh, He's been an online marketer for many years, carves out a nice healthy, robust six-figure income, lifestyle designs, got his hands in cool things, made his own really cool, niche wooden table. And uh, Jamie, you encouraged me so much with that you listen to these podcasts that uh, it kind of inspires me. You know, in geese, they have those geese, when they're flying south or north, and they have those big V-lines, and they're honking and honking, uh, they're actually switching off the leadership role for the, the lead goose at the top of the pyramid, meaning at the V there, he is he is taking on the brunt of the wind and also kind of the GPS deal. And there's a lot of, it's very fatiguing. And so the rest of the geese are like honking at him. It's a form of encouragement they've found out, the science people. And uh, sometimes... All of us in our businesses and lives are that goose, and if nobody's honking behind, we just lose, we, we can lose the drive. And so anyway, Jamie encouraged me uh, greatly. I appreciate your, you know, your patronage over the years and, and everything. And then Masa and Miguel, the pajama bosses, they do over six figures a month with some technology and some leadership trainings, and I... Uh, they hired me as a consultant, and I told, I advised them strongly to not get into technology just because of the pain of software updates. You know, you create an app, you create a system, you create some kind of unique um, intellectual property of a software, and what happens is, you know, Google's updating their algorithms and their systems, and it's like a continual update game. So I advised them to not do it, right? And then... Um, Months later go by, and they're like, yeah, we're over six figures a month with that technology you told us to not do. So anyway, Masa Miguel, but on that, uh, Masa shared that she listens to this, um, you said every morning. I know that was hyperbole probably, but uh, so it inspires me to keep pumping these things out. So thank you for both of those little goose honks or whatever, corny metaphor, but it works for the moment. So today, it's the end of the day. It's 8 o'clock at night when I'm actually recording this. I'm on a quick drive. And a subject has come up a couple times today in two different businesses, and it, totally different. And so I'm going to share it here. So uh, here's the case study framework style is we have a post that goes out and primarily, like my Facebook presence, this is food for thought if you're a leader, um, I have really direct, I went kind of um, off the grid publicly on Facebook, aside from just family updates, kids playing basketball, when I'm with friends taking a picture, we're doing something cool or whatever. And my primary motive for that level of engagement is Facebook has the, uh, Facebook has that bookmaker thing, I forget what it's called, it's an app, I think Facebook bought this thing for a couple billion or something, but they can basically, they uh, curate all your posts and can put it in a hardcover book, and so we've started doing that, 
and we're putting together hardcover books, and they're kind of like a family scrapbook. And depending on how many pictures and features you, you use, they'll collaborate it by most liked and most um, commented on posts and all sorts of things. So I kind of do my public Facebook more completely for myself and my family legacy of just having um, a scrapbook of events. And a uh, sidebar on that that's very, 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 um, I have no regret on this. It's just something I'm going to pass along. About five years ago, I shit you guys not, I said Facebook would would make more money than they ever dreamed if they created at the end of the year, sent you a pre-populated with the proper algorithm, a hardcover sample book that used an algorithm that just tagged your most liked, most popular, et cetera, et cetera, threw together a book for you in your private message area and said, and priced it just under $100 because that'd be a price point. That would just say, so our book, would the spine of it would say Facebook at the top, and then on the bottom spine it would say Hoverson 2017. And if they just dropped the pre-populated one with some customizations where I could remove some pictures, add some pictures, and said, hey, it's, 75, or it's 97 bucks, click send and preview it, and it's on your way. They would make, I, I started telling people about this, that Facebook needed to do this. Um, the pictures, you know, you could add pictures. It could be a couple hundred dollars a book if you wanted to add more to it. But anyway, I started kind of sharing this idea. And before I knew it, Facebook bought this company that had that idea, but actually a little more difficult, a little more. Facebook still isn't doing the pre-populated auto. Every user gets the book. It would include shipping. I mean, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I had the business model down. And here's the, here's the business lesson in this. I only at that time, and I have different thinking at this time. I'm a little older. But at that time, I didn't know I had the connections to actually create that idea on my own and release it and let Facebook find it and buy it. I didn't, I didn't know that I could outsource up. I could think up because it was it's a really simple it's freaking simple what they did and I didn't say easy I said simple but what I didn't thought oh I don't have the connection up there I don't have the tech idea up there and I just closed my mind off to it because I wasn't in that ether so maybe a business lesson is some rumors say we have a few million dollar ideas in our lifetime um, I know that as true for me anyway a few times over and this one was the big idea one of the, the big ideas and I just I didn't think to look up to find a partner find a technology partner get a Facebook connection we didn't even need a Facebook connection if we just created the service with an open API we could have done that without Facebook and then been purchased but regardless treat your inspiration with respect and I didn't respect my inspiration in that moment had I respected it um, we could have been maybe one of the companies that, you know, kind of were out there first to market. But anyway, okay, that has nothing to do with what I was sharing. So I do the public Facebook thing, but I don't do much business public facing. However, internally, I have a couple groups that are key leaders and client groups that are private or secret groups inside Facebook. 
meaning you know the cheapest you can be in the group it's two thousand bucks you get products and then you get in this group and i and i don't spend a ton of time in those groups but i spend my best work inside those groups regarding facebook and made that kind of a commitment to tend my garden my actual garden instead of a theoretical garden and it's worked i mean my income's gone up quite a bit from just focusing on my private primary buyers so possibly a takeaway here is if you were to play a game and just say who are the five people that that make the biggest difference in our business what if i put all this this kind of shotgun energy that people spend on marketing or people spend on in this case facebook at large crafting thoughts or sharing opinions or there's just a lot of kind of um shotgun 22 it just scatters all over it's not very focused and you hit it out to the wind and there's a bunch of people on facebook that are just my real friends they don't really care about my click-through rates on on google ads or anything so um food for thought on that a private group and if you're selling offers regardless of your industry regardless of what you do um you could have a private facebook group that i mean even let's i just use the restaurant one a lot because there's a handful of restaurant restauranteurs that listen to this if you had a, your top two chefs teaching people their secrets in a private Facebook group on how to make your most popular dishes at home, um, people would think, oh, well, then why would they come to the restaurant? Well, what happens is they actually get more connected and more familial with the restaurant, with the chefs, with the recipes from that group. You can crowdsource new ideas, make special plates based on the people that refer the recipe. You know, so imagine seeing a menu item that says, you know, this, this menu comes from Charlotte, whatever, her great-grandmother created this, or this is her minestrone recipe from Italy, and it was sourced through, you know, our, our highest users or whatever. My point is these private Facebook groups are explosive for deepening um, social media in a way that's not like, hey, like our fan page, Okay. That's what, like, the masses at large are just like, like our fan page. Okay. Hate to break this to everybody, but liking the fan page doesn't mean much. Okay. It just doesn't mean a whole lot. So food for thought on these private groups, play around with them. We, we started accessing private groups before Facebook existed, and they were called Ning communities in those days. I don't know if that still exists, but... Uh, I remember we did a launch. We had about three or 400 buyers, and we packed everyone into a Ning community. They built their own profile. They could interact with each other. And it was really, um, it was really an innovative idea. Nobody had seen that kind of social before. And Fact Checker could check if Ning was around before Facebook. I'm almost positive they were, because why would we do – we wouldn't have done – we would have done a Facebook group, not a Ning. So Ning was – it was a huge value add to our clients. So chew on that idea. Now, can I ever possibly get to my point of this podcast? So here's, here's the scenario. Inside one of these private groups today, um, we had one of our leaders make a post. And the word community, like we have a community. It's uh, several hundred people. It, it's popping. Every time there's a new client, client gets recognized. There's usually 20 to 50 people that welcome that new buyer in and share, hey, you're going to love this product. Like Solomon CEO, 
Someone just bought it um, moments ago. Bunches of likes and a bunch of people like, hey, uh, Dennis was his name. Dennis, this course changed my life. They share their story. Dennis is pumped. It, it just explodes the anticipation for the product. And then it shows the rest of the community it's the ultimate non-coercive sales piece because the whole community is selling and congratulating the buyer on the new thing. So then out of the you know hundreds of people that don't own it, they will often buy it just based on the energy they see around it from previous buyers and new buyers. So anyway, private or secret Facebook groups, just, you know, Google around and or Facebook around and kind of you could see how you could set one up and it could be a book club. Anyway, it's a really unique element of Facebook that is vastly in my world. Like I barely ever check my feeds and Facebook has just kind of become a little dirty and Walmarty to me. It's just kind of like, ugh. Whereas uh, these private groups get get way more of my attention and and end up making hundreds of thousands, uh, if not millions of dollars. So, food for thought on how you could, you know, there's a lot of pastors that listen to this as well. Could you do a discipleship group and have a private Facebook group, and they can be temporary. It's a four-week private Facebook group based on the book of Psalms or on the book of Proverbs or on the book of First or whatever it is. And you'll find that it's just, it can be a very powerful thing. So, well, anyway, one of our leaders writes a post inside one of our communities today and uses the word community a whole lot. Like, you can see our community is growing, um, so-and-so from the community. And it just like community is a popular, generic uh, word. It's, it's kind of associated with family a little bit. It's this idea of community. So I send a voicemail to our leadership team immediately. Here's a second tip. If you're running uh, companies, if you're leading companies, very rarely, there's a, Ken Blanchard put out a book called The One Minute Manager. And the concept of it is, you know, in the 80s, they used to do performance reviews every six months or every year. I mean, I just cringe at the even imagination of having a performance review annually. Like, how how ridiculous is that idea? How non-real-time is that idea? How outdated and horrible is that idea? So just hang on one second. I'm at the Organic Whole Foods drive-thru. All right, can I do a Southwest chicken salad, grilled chicken, please, and just, that's it? No Southwest dressing? Uh, Southwest, please, yes. Okay. All right, thank you. All right, so I, I love my Southwest chicken grilled salad at McDonald's. It's an amazing, I'm telling you guys, if they, and one other thing I do real quick with this, I have, a, I have about a cup and a half of green peas that are loaded. I put about a tablespoon of virgin, extra virgin olive oil on there. There's cayenne pepper. There's turmeric. There's uh, chili pepper. There's uh, pepper. And I really fortify this salad. And by the end, it's just this bursting, deliciously spiced um, game for like six bucks. And uh, it's, it's pretty decent, great chicken. I'm impressed with the whole concept. Yes, sir. Thank you. Give me one second, everybody. How's your night, boss? It's doing all right so far. It's doing all right, thanks. We'll have to wait for the guys to finish talking, and I can leave. 
There you go. Inspire them. So anyway, um, so he writes to the community and uses the word community a lot. So I, I immediately, I'm a little ADD today, and uh, just you guys know the drill. So you're still listening. So I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's working out okay. But anyway, back to this internal post. So he writes and he uses the word community a lot. So instead of, um, you know, 12 months later addressing this slight wordsmithing issue of how we cultures are guided by words. And I believe in the creational power of words um, big time. I believe that words, they, they march forward and they're just extraordinarily powerful. They, they, you know, think of it. Words can topple, topple buildings. They can topple the Berlin Wall was when a handful of people got together and finally said, with words, bring it down. And then it goes down and it opens up the mind. I mean, words are just excruciating. They're just like so powerful to me. I treat them pretty, pretty radically. So anyway, I send this little message to all the leaders inside that community, about five to seven of them. And I say, whenever we use the word community, I'd like a three to one approximate ratio of the term culture instead of community. And I said, here's why. Communities can fall apart on, an, on the personality. Communities are very personality driven. Who are the leaders of the community? Okay, communities can disappear and disintegrate in seconds with just a couple butt hurt people and a couple little lure of gossip here. Their communities can disappear. Um, friendships can go away. So communities are good and that word is good and, and it's all good, but what I, what I want the word to be primarily is a culture. I'll often tell the boys, I say, trends are for the masses, cultures are forever. Cultures aren't, they don't fizzle, cultures grow. Cultures are past, cultures last thousands of years. Trends last months or weeks. I mean, do we need to go and mention trend, you know, trendy things that are laughable cultures are ways of behavior and convicted thoughts and and ways and rituals and rites and beliefs and beliefs transmit from generation to generation to generation to generation and cultures very rarely die even if they don't become as popular there's still niche cultures that started thousands of years ago that are still good to go today. Cultures live, communities, uh, just they're transient by nature. Do you know what I mean? Because they're so people dominated. So I go through this and I tell the boys, thank you, appreciate it. I tell the boys what I'd like to see is culture used three times to every time we use community once because cultures last and communities tend to not last. So I'm not. So I didn't forbid it by any means the word community. But the other thing we're doing with wordsmithing is, as a leader, you constantly want to ask, what is on the jargon radar right now? Right now, what's on the jargon radar? Meaning, what's a word that's being just slapped on like stickers everywhere? And then, is it okay? Or what's, how do we wordsmith 
a superior way to say that word that's a similar thing, but it punches at a different angle. It kind of cuts at a tilt, and it makes people pop up and go, ooh, that's a little different. For instance, I was consulting some network marketing people or whatever, and I got my, I got my start in that industry, and I love that industry. And they were using the term home meetings. So everything was a home meeting. And I said, home meetings are from the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, 80s, and the 90s. I said, why don't you guys try the word mastermind? Say we're having a mastermind at our house. I said, the catch is you actually have to have a mastermind. It can't be a home meeting with some lame sales pitch. It has to be a mastermind on entrepreneurship, on the concept of freedom. And what happened was the word mastermind was it absolutely blew up in, in that particular company, in, in that particular um, community, we'll call it, ironically. Uh, but you're looking for ways to massage words that are being overused or that hit with an automatic um, feeling. So these words, every time we're speaking words, these words are just bent and they're dripping with history. They come with all their history attached to them. So mastermind over the years, this was years ago, and the word mastermind now is a little overused in my niche. Okay, in my internet marketing niche and that kind of stuff, the idea of a mastermind is a little overused. So again, as a wordsmither, we're like, how do we cook up a new word for mastermind, for a meeting? Because meetings are 80s. My gosh, are you kidding? Who wants to attend a meeting? Now, we say something like, well, we're having a mind share. Okay, a mind share, it just feels different than a meeting. Right? A mastermind feels different than a home meeting. So the idea of wordsmithing constantly, but this idea with culture was very distinct was very distinct for me, and I'm I'm leaving it with you because as a as a business builder, you can create a community of employees. And here's here's what that means. You're gonna have some superstars, you're gonna have some whoever's, you're gonna have some tag alongs, you're gonna have some wannabes, you're gonna have some you know, people, communities just by nature have a bunch of personalities in them, and communities by nature are transient, and communities shift and change, and communities' dynamics change. But what I think is superior is a culture. There's a culture and a way of doing things that is bigger than any person coming into that culture. It's a bigger priority, meaning this is how you are, you're a part of the community inside this culture. But the cultural things are bigger than your personal things. What's at stake in the values and the deepest gravities and basically on the soundboard of values, there are certain things that you want to culturally instill and imprint that are non-negotiable, that almost take on a religious sense of reverence. And if you don't do that, what's going to happen is people are going to take on that religious sense of reverence. And they're going to be able to say, hey, we're going to go start something else. Let's go, community. And then up they jump and over they all move. And it's just weird, whereas there's cultural things that are just deeply, deeply believed in. For instance, in our limitless culture, and this is ironic, in our limitless culture, we have guys that earn, you know, we have guys that earn 100000 We have a bunch of bunch of guys that are under 30 that are earning over 100000 a month, okay? Now, not dozens and dozens, but we have handfuls of them. 
We have a cultural commitment that we do not celebrate people in that culture because they make money. We celebrate the optimization of their life. We celebrate the reorientation of their environments getting cleaner, meaning their car getting cleaner, their living area getting cleaner. We celebrate savings more than earnings. Okay, this is a big difference. So we celebrate the shit out of people that are pumping into retirement policies. We celebrate them. We clap for them. We don't celebrate brand new Louis Vuitton shoes. Okay, do you understand the difference in celebrating people? So if we were like, whoever comes in and makes a bunch of money, we brag and make a big deal out of all their achievements and all this stuff. That's not our cultural commitment. Our cultural commitment is more gameplay through the gamification experience and contribution to the community. And what this does, ironically, we had a stretch where three people in a row that joined within a couple weeks span all earned over $100,000 a month. Not one of them joined because they were going to be celebrated as the big deal of the world. They're celebrated as the big deal of the world in the communities of their companies that they run in. Do you see what I'm saying? They're actually looking for a value that's different than, hey, I make a bunch of money. I know that's not the answer. Anybody who makes over $100,000 a month is grizzled and has done it for a while. Okay, let me put some parameters on here. Anybody who's done that and has done it for a while or has done it multiple times or whatever, there's not an honest soul on earth that really think who's done that that really, they know money is not the answer. They know the people that get all starry-eyed and worship them for their money. They know secretly or not so secretly that it's not that really big of a deal and there's a lot bigger things in the world. Like, so what's, what's cool is we end up getting those big-time earner people, moneymaker people, by not making that as a top value. All right, so I'm out of here. I'm going to eat that uh, salad. And I hope you guys have a great week. Let's rock it. And again, thank you, Jamie Waters. And again, thank you, Masa and Miguel, the pajama bosses. You guys are independent entrepreneurs, creators who are carving out your own lifestyles. I admire all of you. And uh, again, all of you guys in the cast, listen to the podcast. I might, uh, the cast, <laughs> do people call podcasts the cast? Anyway, uh, I might start shouting out more people because you guys deserve it. All right. Thank you. Peace.